You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Mary McGeehan, and this is Dr. Carl Vennerstrom, professor here at the Augusta Institute. What do you teach here, Dr. Vennerstrom? Uh, yeah, good question. I teach <laughs> um, church history, and okay. I'll be teaching Greek this fall. Nice. Um, but yeah, mostly the early church, but sort of dipping into the medievals as well. All so, right. Those yeah. are fun topics. They are. I, I like them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased, but... For yeah. good reason. Today, we're going to talk about St. Dominic. Uh, and that, this series on Catholic saints is an opportunity for us to learn about the life of the saint, where they grew up, and what formed them, and what's their legacy to the church today, uh, just to look at them as role models and sources of inspiration on our own path uh, and journey um, to Christ. So um, we're going to do St. Dominic. His feast day is August 8th, and he is the patron of astronomers, Dominican Republic, and falsely accuse people, hmm. and I'm sure amongst many other patrons. So, yes. can you give us a biographical sketch? Start with the beginning of what we need to yeah. know about Saint Dominic. He seems like a giant saint, you know, in mm. the tradition of the church. So, um, where was he born? Where or what? What do we need to know about him in his early life? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he definitely does loom large through his his order the, that he founded, the Dominicans, um, uh, but also in his sort of personality. So, uh, yeah, he was born in Spain. He was the child of a, a noble family um, that was that was relatively wealthy. Um, his family itself. Uh, contains uh, or includes his his mother who is a uh, blessed as well as his brother who is a blessed. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, wow. Yeah, his, his brother who also uh, joined his order. Um, and then I mean, he, he had another brother who was um, a priest who's a, a canon regular, which is not a parish priest, but anyways, sort of yeah. complicated. But mm -hmm. yeah, um, and then uh, a sister, I think, who had uh, two children who ended up being blessed too. So he's sort wow. of in this... Uh, That's a holy family. <laughs> yeah, it's a sort of garden of saints okay. um, for his family. So uh, a good start, definitely. Um, he, he's one of these saints for whom there is a a childhood that uh, contains stories of piety. So he always refused to sleep in a bed. So he always slept on the floor. Wow. Um, th th these, these kinds of things. But um, he, he, he went uh, for uh, a kind of medieval education, which included the quadrivium. So he studied math and music and these, these different things. Um, and roughly like what time period? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So he is like late twelfth, early thirteenth century. Okay. So born in uh, eleven seventy, and then he dies in twelve twenty one at the age of fifty one. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, and as a young student, uh, there's a, a a really beautiful story which encapsulates uh, an important feature of his character and his his order's char character, which is. The intellectual life and then poverty. So he's mm -hmm. a, a student studying philosophy, 
uh, and he has these uh, texts, which are uh, very expensive because uh, I mean they're they're written on sheets of le- uh, sheets of leather, um, and they have to be handwritten, so they're expensive. Uh, and he has his own annotations in them and this kind of thing, so they're they're very treasured. Uh, there's a plague, and so he he sells all of these uh, in order to feed the poor. Um, so it's these like two things, like the mm-hmm. this life of the mind, but which he's willing to sacrifice, um, yes. at least uh, in its material form, yes. to to serve and help the poor. Um, so th- th- that's a bit about his early life. Um, there are other uh, really important episodes. I mean, his life is full of important episodes, but. Um, at one point in time, he joins his bishop on this trip, uh, and on that trip through the country, they, they run into a lot of superstition. They run into a lot of heresy. Um, so the Albigensians, um, you could think of them as like Manichees, if you know about Manichaeism, it's this sort of like dualist heresy, um, or the Cathars. Um, this idea there's like an evil God who created the world and there's like this good God. Um, and so there's like Mm -hmm. a a hatred of nature and creation or the belief at least that it's evil. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of that. And at the same time as like that's happening, um, there's, this is a, a kind of, uh, historical context in the, in the cities, there's a great deal of prosperity and the great universities are starting up like the university of Paris. So there's this thriving intellectual life. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the Arabs, uh, there's this reintroduction of Aristotle, the study of philosophy. So blossoming intellectual life in the cities. But there's also a great deal of clericalism. So a lot of the priests are very unconvincing in their message because mm-hmm. their personal lives are uh, hypocritical. so or... hypocritical. Yeah, that's right. And then... Uh, to fight those heresies, they have to sort of combat the fact that while the at least many of the priests were living sumptuous lives um, with a lot of wealth, the the heretics, the Albigensians, uh, lived lives of poverty and renunciation. So okay. the people who'd been forgotten, they, they at least found the the message of these heretics a lot more convincing than the message of the Catholic Church, in part just because of the the way of life of the clergy. So they encounter all of this, and there's mm-hmm. sort of calls from the Pope to renew preaching. And so um, the bishop uh, that that uh, that Dominic was accompanying, he is very enthusiastic about this, and so he joins with the Cistercians, which is was this monastic order. And typically, mm-hmm. this is another sort of historical thing that's kind of difficult to understand. Typically, when you think of monks uh, in this period, we want to think not about monks who are sort of like living in a city with an apostolate or something, but who are living in generally uh, a more sort of remote life that's like really focused on prayer and not so focused on service or preaching. And, uh, but they have this sort of poverty aspect, at least the, the good monks do. Um, but, uh, and they're called upon to preach, even though that's not their sort of like natural function. And mm-hmm. so eventually this is what, uh, this is the role that's filled particularly by Dominic's order, which is 
uh, OP, uh, the order of preachers. Okay. okay. So this is one of their great functions is to live uh, according to a sort of monastic rhythm of life mm -hmm. with uh, a life in community, a life of poverty, um, uh, and a life of prayer, but then also to be dedicated to preaching and evangelization. So his order, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit, but they're traveling all over the place and yeah. preaching to these people and fighting the heresies and then evangelizing people who need to be, be evangelized. Um, so yeah, it's this very fascinating period in, yeah. the, in the church's history. There are a lot of just tensions, as you're mentioning, of high intellectualism, but then also extreme poverty um, at war and at play. And um, it just, it's always interests me how the context of what heresies or what crises are happening mm -hmm. in that time period, um, the Lord, you know, sends saints for particular antidotes and almost medicine for that time of sickness mm -hmm. that um, people are going through, spiritual and, you know, literal. Mm -hmm. um, but also just fascinating that in that, you know, commitment to poverty, they also have this more availability to be filled for preaching. So in that emptying um, and commitment to poverty, that it makes sense that there's just more space for God to fill so we can give more of God um, in that self-emptying. So. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, one aspect of uh, St. Dominic's character was just to be able to like move quickly between places, as quickly okay. as you could move in this period because you're walking everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, but still, like he he did travel all over the place. And part of that is that he didn't have like these things to carry around. Uh, hmm. he, he didn't have... Uh, all this luggage or... Yeah, he didn't have <laughs> like actual luggage. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, when he died, he died in a habit that he borrowed from someone else because he didn't have what? his own. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, in exactly the way you're saying, uh, he part of his analysis of the culture, if you will, is that um, it was going to be much more difficult to be a successful evangelist if you're tied down to a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like you were saying, an authentic witness, if the people were surrounded by a lot of hypocrisy, you had to be very authentic. That's in, right, in yeah. That. People notice like if you care less about them than you care about your stuff. Um, this is not something that is, is uh, an elusive fact, right? Right, um, yes. Very yeah. good, so let's see, what... Are there particular topics that Dominicans, St. Dominic in particular, is known to, be, to preach on? You said, uh, I think the bishop really mentored him to, to preach the gospel. Um, are there other particular, I don't know, teachings and, and why? Was that a pri priority for, for St. Dominic? Yeah. Um, so we have much less in terms of what St. Dominic actually said okay. than we would with his later followers. Mm. Um, but you could sort of maybe fill in the gaps. Um, so, <laughs> Can you also mention who some of Yeah, so his right? most important follower, at least in the Dominican order, is St. Thomas Aquinas. Okay, um, of course. Yeah, so uh, we can presume without a doubt that uh, St. Dominic had uh, tremendous intellect and uh, was able to discourse about like any sort of theological topic. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, the s since he was preaching against these sort of Gnostic or Manichaean type uh, 
heresies, we can sort of presume that he probably preached a lot about creation and the goodness of the created order. Um, mm -hmm. Another evidence of his theological acumen would be that um, he ended up in Rome and uh, the Pope, uh, rather than letting him leave Rome, sort of forced him to stay as his, as his personal theological advisor. Um, mm -hmm. And so he was at least in a theological sense, it's sort of like the most trusted person for the Pope at this time. And in fact, since St. Dominic, uh, there's continuous, continuously been a Dominican who's sort of like the theologian in residence to advise the, to advise the Pope. Um, so there's that, but then also, I mean, especially in preaching the gospel, preaching, preaching poverty um, and preaching, preaching renunciation. Um, so just to come back to the sort of twofold aspect of the intellectual life and poverty. Um, uh, part of the heritage of that is that uh, St. Dominic made sure there were friars in Paris from the beginning to be near the mm -hmm. great schools in Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was not a life of poverty that was opposed in any way to the intellectual life. In fact, just as poverty made it possible for them to be more effective preachers, both to just be able to like get places and not be attached to stuff, but also be an effective witness. An effective witness, um, they they saw that poverty also uh, had the same kind of effect on the intellectual life. Um, if you free yourself from material, material. attachments, mm -hmm. you actually have a sort of clearer mind and calmer spirit to address sometimes like very complex speculative questions and mm -hmm. to make interventions in the sort of intellectual life of society. So yeah. Paris would be sort of like the intellectual center of the world at this point in time. And so he wanted his friars to be sort of right in the middle of that. Okay. And then once we get again to Thomas Aquinas, he ends up being a sort of professor, if you will, in okay. at the, at the University of Paris. So there ends up being this long heritage of uh, Dominicans in universities, for which they're still still known, known. for yes, yeah. teaching and intellectual life. Uh, and yeah. The Dominican sisters run so many Catholic schools as teachers That's even right. still today, um, yep. which is incredible. Yeah, and the first sort of Dominican sisters were uh, at least supposed to be converted heretics, like converted Albigensians that he he formed into hmm. uh, a, a monastery of sisters. Yes. But, Interesting. Yeah. I was also pondering how a lot of religious orders were formed in this time period. Mm. Um, I was curious your thoughts on that. Like why in this particular time was the church so fertile in new religious orders? And also if there's any connection with Dominic and St. Francis. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about this a bit before. Um, this was a period of, uh, I mean, there were a lot of problems with society that was sort of outlined and problems within the church too. Uh, and the, sort of s the scope of the solution matched the scope of the problem. So um, uh, there's that. So yeah, we have, I mean, the Cistercians are are very rapidly expanding at this time. This is this sort mm -hmm. of, uh, that comes out of the Benedictine tradition. Um, uh, at the same time, uh, we have also St. Dominic and St. Francis, like you said. So these 
two great giants. Giants, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, uh, as as kind of evidence of their scope and impact, uh, there are two uh, gigantic statues of St. Dominic and St. Francis in St. Peter's and Rome, sort really? of flanking St. <laughs> Peter. Um, yeah, so uh, both mendicant religious orders, so like both both religious orders that focused heavily on poverty, um, uh, the Franciscans and the Dominicans, um, St. Francis and St. Dominic are supposed to have met uh, at the Lateran Council, um, but they're religious orders, although having like a much different style in a sense and sort of a different aspect. Now I would say uh, in general, probably the Franciscans are more sort of like overtly focused on poverty possibly, whereas the Dominicans are maybe like more overtly focused on the intellectual life. But that's okay. just sort of like a period in their history. I think I don't think it's indicative necessarily of like the larger trend mm -hmm. um, because there are a lot of Franciscan universities and a lot of famous Franciscan theologians, this kind of, this kind of thing. Um, but despite their, I don't know, the sort of difference in style, there is this kind of like mutual dependence on one another. So um, each religious order traditionally called the founder of the other religious order, like the the Holy Father, maybe I'm getting that wrong. But, but anyways, they would have, the Dominicans would have a Franciscan come and preach on St. Dominic's feast day and the Franciscans would have a Dominican come preach oh, on the feast neat. day of St. Francis. Okay. Yeah, and you have like- Humility. In, <laughs> yeah, and I think in Dante's Paradiso, you also have, I think uh, Thomas Aquinas talking about St. Francis and St. Bonaventure, a Franciscan talking about hmm. um, St. Dominic. So yeah, there's this sort of like inter- Brotherhood mixture. in a sense. Yeah, yeah. true kind of brother brotherhood. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, Fascinating. That's good. It's a good healthy rivalry and balancing each other out, I guess. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sort of the kind of rivalry we would long for now. Yes, in the church. that but, is very true. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, well, is there other any other interesting facts about St. Dominic um, or his life or uh, mm. I, I feel like the word dog, like is there some tradition with yeah. him being a, what is that connection? Yeah, his, his, his mother is supposed to have had uh, a vision before he was born of a dog carrying a torch okay. like throughout the world. Um, so I think there's like an etymology of Dominic that it's like Domino Canis, so oh, like cool. the dog of the Lord. Okay. Um, so like mm. carrying this flame and, and, and lighting everything on fire. Flame uh, of the gospel. That's right. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So that's, yeah. So the, the, you often see like a, a dog in like stained glass for the Dominicans. Mm. Kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. Uh, a humble but sort of effective uh, evangelist. The yes. Dog. Yes. Yeah. And lovable, I guess. Yeah, and lovable. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's the, right. The two scripture verses that were coming to mind that I was looking for, the, the Galatians 2.10, I, I don't know if it's Paul or the apostles, but they're they're directing um, to remember the poor. Um, and mm. I just, knowing their love for scripture and taking to heart, um, remember the poor, even in their intellectual um, gift, almost like the, intellectual, mm. yeah, um, richness, th they have that union in remembering the poor and the poverty of the people around them. Yeah, that's people. good. Yeah. And then First Peter 4.11, um, that mentions, whoever preaches, let it be with the words of God, and whoever serves, let it be with the strength of God. 
um, as well just comes to mind um, yeah. as you're explaining more about like their charism and ethos. So, yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, and then just maybe the last sort of reflection on his life, I think it's difficult sometimes when you read these lives of the saints and it's like, oh, he had this like very clear mission and call and then he did mm-hmm. it, right. it was awesome. Uh, but, but in like point of fact, like his life was much more complicated, right? I mean, he was like a, a canon, so like more like a parish priest, not exactly for like eight years and like things took time to develop. But I think one thing you can sort of mm-hmm. take away with this idea of poverty and preaching, um, that once his mission was very clear to him, um, he had a heart set on fire to accomplish it. And that meant he was perfectly willing to let everything, even like good stuff, uh, kind of fall by the wayside in order to mm-hmm. accomplish it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, this is helpful, I think, uh, that these things sort of take time to develop and most people aren't going to be St. Dominic anyways, but you're going to be called to maybe uh, humble and small things. But once you know that you need to do that thing uh, to focus on that and then to yes. have a detachment from everything that would prevent you from a- accomplishing that mission. Yes. I think this is a worthwhile thing to to meditate on. No, that's a wonderful reminder. And often like one yes leads to another yes and refined yes that the Lord takes yeah. you upon. Um, you're right. not always exactly sure, even in the messiness of it, where it's going. Yeah, um, but the yeah, Lord, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Is and this is something. Fold. This is something his followers. So he sent out uh, his first sixteen friars, sort of all over Europe, in a sense. And they were all like very upset at him. Like, we're not ready to go. We don't have enough training. We're not. We're not good preachers. All this stuff. And he's like, Nope, you're going. <laughs> and so sometimes, you know. Uh, it's made clear to us, even yeah. though we'd rather it not be the case. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, uh, I love that. Okay, and you also were just mentioning supposedly uh, he was Saint Dominic could have been a redhead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I called my uh, friend in the Dominican Order this morning and said, uh, "What should I? What should I tell people about Saint Dominic?" And he said, "I have to go to class in two minutes." But um, he had red hair, so I didn't double check that. Uh, this is part of the oral tradition. So, if nothing else, it's the the, the flame of fire. <laughs> yeah, that's that right. Yeah, the mother prophetically saw of that's her what son she saw. <laughs> into the world. So, yeah. that's wonderful. Beautiful. Yes, yeah. great. Well, thank you um, yeah. for all of that about the life of Saint Dominic. Um, let's to ponder on in that beautiful union of poverty and intellectual. Thank life you for as being well. a dedicated so, listener to the Catholic di- Saints podcast. Your support truly uplifts us. For those seeking additional thought-provoking content, go to formed.org. It's a platform brimming with resources, including insightful videos that align seamlessly with our podcast's themes. If you're finding value in our podcast, please consider taking a moment to leave us a review. Your feedback serves as a cornerstone for our growth and outreach.